Hi and welcome to the Solidarity Podcast, shedding light and spilling the tea on global solidarity. My name's Amina and I'm the campaign coordinator for the Case for Global Solidarity campaign, funded by the FCDO. We're talking about a short series of discussions around key themes, so please look out for others in this series. Enjoy! Welcome to this episode of Solidarity. This time it's with SSAP Youth and our theme is global solidarity and social networks. How do we platform young black voices and sustain solidarity in a post-pandemic world? Now I have two very important guests with me. I've got Billy and I've got Ophelia. Do you mind introducing yourselves both? Yes, so um, my name is Billy and I am the Youth Leadership uh, Officer and Coordinator of SSAP Youth. Uh, I'm also a social justice activist in my spare time. Hi, I'm Ophelia. I'm a textile designer and climate justice activist and I work for SSAP as a project producer. Thank you so much both. Okay, so the reason that we're here actually is because um, of the research that Hub Cymru Africa commissioned, which is all about Wales and its attitude towards global poverty and solidarity. And we found that Wales is a more caring nation than the rest of the UK in the data, which we think obviously is a kind of great discovery and I just wanted to know from both of your perspectives do you think this is an accurate reflection? Well I think it's an accurate reflection in terms of the people I've come across in Wales in comparison to other places um, in terms of more caring friendlier you know just the culture of saying hello and hi to your neighbor and just the fact that wherever you go you do feel as though everyone is is, is really friendly here and and it's much more accepting and open and uh, self-aware when it comes to uh, tolerance and, and race and those sorts of discussions, um, particularly with things such as the Race Equality Action Plan and, you know, the Black History Curriculum. I think those just highlight how welcoming and friendly Wales is as a country that it's able to make those accommodations for minority communities and, and have a look at their history. I would just um, echo that. I've always felt that Wales has been um, friendlier, more engaging um, kind of a population. Um, you might have found that this when you were leaving for university and then you, you stay like elsewhere and you're like, oh, like not everyone says, you know, thanks to the bus driver and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would just um, echo what Billy said. Um, and even the fact that um, Welsh Government implement- implemented um, the Future Generations Plan in um, 2015, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I think that that really shows our compassion for each other and also for future generations. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would agree with the, the findings. Um, can you both explain to me uh, more about the work of SSAP and what you do individually? Yeah, so um, I, I just begin by saying SSAP itself is um, sort of the umbrella for SSAP youth. 
Um, I'll talk a little about SSAP Youth in, in a second, but SSAP is sort of an organization that brings together diaspora communities, particularly from the African diaspora uh, in Wales, and tries to uh, sort of equip them, develop them, support them uh, in a variety of different ways. So it could be projects, it could be events, it could be just uh, funding for individual pieces and, and creative works of art. Um, and I think as, a, as an organization, SSAP collaborates a lot recently. Recently, they collaborated with the museum uh, to work on reframing Picton, which was just a study on how uh, we interpret and look at history, uh, looking at history from a more broad and honest perspective rather than a narrative that's often told by those that uh, are perceived to be, you know, the winners of history. Uh, so that's sort of the most recent work that SSAP have done, but SSAP is an organization, I don't know Ophelia, but it's a very collaborative organization, um, but with a real focus on, on community and development, uh, particularly the African community in Wales. Yeah, um, definitely. So within my role at SSAP, um, I actually um, kind of produce and coordinate a project that's funded by the Arts Council, um, and it's called Majaraja. Um, which means um, bridges in Swahili. Um, and we have commissioned 15 artists from across um, Wales and Africa um, to explore kind of cultural bridges between um, Wales and Africa. This could be through heritage, community, um, identity. Um, and that's what we're working on at the moment. And it's a really exciting um, kind of project to be a part of. And mm. I think it really, it could, um, it can be kind of seen as something that SSAP is like, this, you know, this is what we are. Like it very, mm. very nicely encapsulates like who we are as an um, organization. I mean, this work um, sounds extremely interesting. I actually visited the Thomas Picton Reimagined and it was kind of amazing to see that and also to see it in the National Museum of Wales, which yeah. I think mm -hmm. goes to show that actually Wales does take um, history seriously and is trying to sort of re-navigate the future. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered if you both thought that Wales is kind of unique in its... Um, in the way that it um, looks outwardly to its future, but also kind of recognises its past. I mean, Cardiff wouldn't be Cardiff where we are now without sort of migrant communities. Yes. And do you think Wales has got unique op opportunities for diaspora people? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, for, with my heritage, for example, um, I have family that um, lived in Butte Town back in the 1920s. Um, and my great-great-grandparents came from Cape Verde on the west coast of Africa, and they came over um, to kind of find this new lives for themselves. And at the time, um, Cardiff, uh, Tiger Bay, as it was once known, yeah. was a um, kind of a global hub for trade. Um, and I think today we still recognize that it's not forgotten just because the world has become um, as globalized in a way and things are more like London centered. Um, I think we always carry that history and that story within um, our everyday lives. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. I'd also say that um, it's very visible, particularly in 
obviously it was called Tiger Bay, but now it's Butown, isn't it? Um, mm. But it's very visible when you go down there that it is a diverse community. Mm. It's a community with lots of heritage. And, and I think you only have to look at the murals that are around the area. You only have to look at the shops and the people that you speak to. And you just understand just how even the schools, you walk by, you know, the schools in in and around, you know, Butte Town and you just see how diverse, you know, the children playing on the playground are. And it just make, it encourages you just to know that Wales as a society and Cardiff as a city is actually very, you know, diverse and very open to self-reflection. Of course, outwardly, it wants to be anti-racist, but inwardly as well, it is open to acknowledging it's racist sort of role within history with things like, you know, Sir Thomas Picton and, and the colonial slave trades and things. So I think it is very, um, it's very unique and nuanced uh, as a country uh, in comparison to other home nations. So I think we can all agree over the past two years, it's been a very strange time, a very yes. strange world to live in. And I feel um, the way uh, that we have tried to connect with other people has been quite important. Yeah. And I would say that um, a lot of that has been digitally and... Um, yeah, that certainly became my sort of beacon to the outside world when when that felt quite closed in. And I just wondered, um, during that time, how did you use social networks to stay connected and did you still feel part of your community? I think you, you, you only sort of had social networks, really. Um, you just, you were locked in uh, for a lot of these previous two years that we've had. Um, so you were left alone a lot but you also had communities online that you had to engage with. Um, but I do think that it was obviously important to have, uh, you know, to have that interaction online because it gives you a voice, then it opens you up to, to different communities and to different conversations that are happening. Um, but I really do think that, you know, the two years have definitely uh, broadened everyone's uh sort of perception on community and engagement and social interaction. I think everyone appreciates that a lot more um, now coming out of, you know, a global pandemic where we were in lockdown for, for months on end. Yeah, um, I think as well, we've really um, understood that communities can be borderless. You know, yeah. we don't have to have just physical communities. And I will admit I was quite um, kind of sceptical, maybe pre-pandemic of social media I was always like you know it's just uh, waste your time it's just you know endless scrolling and then when lockdown happened I think I was forced to use social medias a lot more and then that's where I found communities in activism um, more artistic friends and I, I didn't recognize that straight away I yeah. think as well I was a bit ignorant to the fact that I lived in Cardiff and I thought that I had to be in London so I didn't mm. really reach out to any kind of Welsh creatives Welsh activists for example so that time inside for me it kind of allowed me to explore that part of my identity in a way yeah and I also do think the interesting thing with um, social media is, is, is I think, as you also mentioned previously with, with it being borderless, you know, you're able to meet different communities and you also come across communities that are local to yourself, which is really encouraging, I think, with a lot of, you know, movements that were happening. Uh, it wasn't just happening in 
you know, for example, America or in, in, in London, it was also happening in Wales and Cardiff and Newports and, and Swansea and different places across, across Wales, um, which was really encouraging that social media brought that to light. During the pandemic, I kind of see some of the events during that as completely life-changing. Um, Absolutely. Pe- yeah, yeah, people mobilised around social justice issues. I think Black Lives Matter obviously came into its own. It was a time when we were all forced to stand still and actually confront things. Mm. And there seemed to be sort of a greater urgency for change. That It felt there was a turning point where people weren't just talking, they were thinking, what can I do? What is the action around this? Do you think how people use social networks has changed since then? I I think during the pandemic, it was definitely, you know, it was, it, we, we could visibly see organizations, companies, individuals showing solidarity. We, we could see global solidarity across across the world with with protests and and with the implementations and policies and and things it was definitely you could see practical solidarity i think the difficulty for people over the previous two years has been distinguishing you know the solidarity shown with the movement and with performatism in the moment so there's this distinguishing the moment and the movement i think it's very difficult for people to understand that the movement is a constant motion, okay? You don't stop thinking, you don't stop being an ally, you don't stop, you know, helping and fighting racism wherever you see it in, in everyday life. Whereas in the moment, everyone thought in that moment they had to post a black square, they thought they had to repost Black Lives Matter and, and you know, offer, I think I saw some companies offering discounts um, with Black Lives Matter as, as sort of the discount code, which was just capitalism masters. Yeah, capitalism masters solidarity, which is just tragic, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I think for people, it's distinguishing the difference between a movement and a moment and understanding that to be in that movement, to say that you are showing solidarity, to say that you're an ally, you have to be constantly moving in constant motion towards equality and justice, not just in the moment, not just posting and reposting, but genuinely being part of that movement, you know, walking, protesting, speaking. And that's sort of the difference I would say that the two years has has shown me is that a lot of people couldn't distinguish the two. I think in the past, two years, um, the way we communicate ideas, plans and and creativity has completely changed. Um, And with my work in environmentalism, I've really found my way of communicating really complicated language, for example, Mm -hmm. into small, um, you know, bite-sized, you know, media, like social media posts, um, for example, like Reels, um, TikTok has obviously taken off over this time. And that just shows how the way we communicate and the way we spread um, kind of messages of hope and and, um, kind of information has completely changed. And, you know, not all problems and, um, you know, social issues can be solved with 
posts and like really you know cute graphics yeah. about really horrible things and statistics is not gonna exactly change things but i hope that opens the conversation to more nuanced research and and it kind of sparks people's interest in you know environmentalism or social yeah. justice um and i hope people um kind of make the kind of links and connect the dots within that so you know why does environmentalism matter to social justice justice and racial justice but i think yeah it really has unlocked that that kind of creativity in people especially like young creatives who have become so in tune with how these um, platforms work sometimes even as a 24 year old i think i'm oh, like oh, i can't do tiktok it's a huge platform isn't it, it TikTok? Is, it's yeah, a massive it is. platform it's, yeah. it, you know you can't really talk about 2020 unless you talk about tiktok the as rise well. of tiktok yeah and the challenges and things yeah. And, yeah. yeah i've been doing some research on it it's quite scary but <laughs> i'll get into that <laughs> Um, I think something I've noticed over the past two years is just how much content there is. Um, it's just, I sometimes feel completely bombarded, overwhelmed. Um, it feels, uh, I feel quite privileged to say that sometimes I disengage just because there's just so much, almost like I can't open an app without being mm -hmm. told something. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of wondered how you both sort of cut through the noise like how there's so much content out there and it's absolutely there i reckon there's parts of it that are very educational and i've definitely learned a lot but some of it sometimes feels as you as you were mm -hmm. saying like performative mm -hmm. or i'm not sure that we all enjoy being told off all of the time mm -hmm. it's um it's not a good way to engage people um, but I would say I'm quite ruthless online. Like, my friends are like, why have you unfollowed this person? I'm just like, it, it's too much information for me. I keep my following low so I can just have what I need. It's more like I need to get some kind of inspiration. I need to get, you know, it needs to be someone that I really care about. I've spoken to in the last year. I don't want to overload my brain with like a million different things. And it's actually quite scary because we see around like over... 10,000 adverts per day or something ridiculous like that um, just, That's crazy. just coming That's across crazy. Um, digitally like it's it's really um, interesting to see how you know we, we all have better ideas of what the algorithm is now and maybe we didn't think about that beforehand and we kind of it leads us to think about where our information has come from. It's so, um, I know I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but like I, you know, it's easy to believe anything that is on the internet because it's on the internet. You'll see a picture, yeah. you'll see a statistic and you'll be like, oh my God, there's only three elephants left in the world. You know, people just need to be wary of what they're consuming because um, the algorithm can lead you into all sorts of things. And if you're, especially if you're looking into race issues, um, you can really go down the rabbit hole and end up somewhere you don't want to be. But um, generally, I think it's been quite positive. Yeah, I think it's completely down to how you navigate um, social media. I think the same thing I do is uh, the same thing I do is what Ophelia also does. So I'd echo a lot of what Ophelia does. I sort of unfollow what I don't need to see or I mute, I utilize mute. that mute button is a godsend. <laughs> God bless the mute button. It's amazing because of course you have to be careful with the information that you take in, you know, Google something, mm -hmm. find out, you know, the source, 
uh, and just don't be so quick to believe things you know pick up a book as yeah well. pick Not up a just book believing your timeline <laughs> yeah pick up a book because you'd be surprised how much information is you know not only just on the internet but in books in everyday life you know with speaking to people as well saying i saw this online is this true it you know makes things a lot easier and also limits you know your, your gullibility for things such as as fake news i think fake news was mm -hmm. one of the things that mm -hmm. you know the, the words of the pandemic uh, mm -hmm. fake news so just being cautious of things and making sure that you, you really take time before you just take things in so take time before mm -hmm. taking it in I think something else I noticed as well, which um, actually changed my mind, was kind of cancel culture. Um, I've had to do a lot of unlearning and relearning uh, myself, especially when it comes to matters of like racial justice, um, being a feminist, for example. And um, I think I'm, I've been quick in the past to dismiss people for getting something wrong. But I think that we should educate ourselves every day. And part of doing that is you're going to make mistakes and mm -hmm. you're going to have to challenge yourself. And I just wondered what you both thought of cancel culture. Cancel culture is an interesting one because for me, I always I strongly believe in, in forgiveness and giving people, you know, a, an opportunity to... To, to learn at least or show that they've they've learned something but at the same time i i oh, it's such a it's such a tightrope because there's also that element of oh you know free speech everyone deserves free speech there's also that free speech but you know what are you using your free speech for is it for hate is it is it to cause you know people to to feel upset or neglected or to feel as though they've been sort of discriminated against but then there's also that aspect of how do you educate you know, it, it shouldn't be up to the oppressed to constantly have to educate the oppressor. You know, I don't want to educate every single racist about why racism is bad. That's, I don't believe that's my job. If there is a way to explain something to you and you still are adamant and stubborn that you do not want to learn or do not want to hear the voices of those that are being oppressed, you know, why should we have you on this platform? You know, why should we give you a space to continue to spout hate when we're presenting truth, facts, experiences, and history. So it's a tightrope, but I do think that it shouldn't be down to those who are being sort of oppressed to constantly have to educate. And if you offend someone and they feel offended, they should have a right to cancel you if they want. That's mm. what I think. I think the problem with cancel culture is that it's so quick and so it's so reactive. And, you know, as the, the algorithm goes, we, it kind of feeds off kind of really quick um, kind of outrage and, mm. and negativity. Those, those things do well. I think when I thought about cancel culture, I've kind of told myself that, you know, people learn, people make mistakes. I get, again, there is definitely um, the tightrope that you're talking about. There's, there's a line where someone that's not just a spontaneous thought that is something that is who you constant, are to be a constant, like, to yeah. be you know racist or yeah. homophobic yeah it's, it's an interesting conversation um i think it's, it's it's one that we all need to have i think it's in like two years time uh trump may be allowed back on facebook so oh. mark zuckerberg oh. needs to make that decision and i think when we have those big that that will be quite a 
um, important decision because I think that will really set a boundary for free speech. Mm. Um, if they do let him back on Facebook, um, I imagine other social media companies would also let him back on. And then, you know, that's where we know where they stand, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, you've also got, um, what's his name? The um, Tesla guy that's oh, yeah. apparently he's bought Twitter. He wants yeah. to buy Twitter. I don't know what his views are, but I've seen a lot of controversy from what he posts. If that's the person that's going to be owning your social media platforms, I just, I don't know what kind of chaos would ensue, you know, with with that sort of leadership. I just, mm -hmm. it's very messy, I think, it cancel is, culture. It's, it's very, very, very it's messy. A lot, it's a lot to think yep. about. And I think um, another kind of topic that is also quite relevant to cancel culture is the the kind of worshipping of celebrities. Oh, stan culture. And, yeah, stan yeah, culture stan. where it's like, you know, whatever this person says is correct. But yeah, that, that's interesting as well. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that's maybe one of the downsides of social media as well is the immediacy to things. Uh, people decide very quickly what's right and what's wrong. It's like a public jury, isn't mm -hmm. it? And um, I think without that step back and that reflection, sometimes I think things go a little bit awry. Mm -hmm. um, do you think it's easier than ever for young black voices to be platformed in Wales? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I think social media gives you that control. Um, it gives you a, a platform, of course. So absolutely, I think definitely you're able to use social media to, to share your experiences, your story. You have multiple narratives now um, that are being told, often due to similar issues. Um, police brutality, for example, I think is a major one that's happening in Wales. And it, there's multiple, you know, people voicing their concerns and their their you know disappointment with the way you know in in Wales some situations some cases are being treated um so i think social media definitely gives a platform for young black voices um but it also opens up a platform for young black voices to also be you know further harassed and, and targeted and and receive hate because of their experiences because of the, what they've been through because of what they want to share they also receive a lot of you know trolling and hating so it's something that is good because it gives you that platform but it also does not let you know let you know that you know with this platform will you know you will get a lot of hate you will get racist messages you will get you know discriminatory messages miso misogynistic messages all these different types of hate and discriminations will come towards you because of the platform you now have um which is unfortunate but i think um it's difficult but you just have to you have to not let anything stop you from sharing your voice online because you do have a platform and the best thing to do is use it. You know, in the real world, we are like, yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter. We want to mm. hear more black voices. We want to amplify them. But the reality is, um, especially with technology, we don't get to decide um, kind of who is um, platformed or who... Um, gets to be shown or, or what kind of impact that person can make um, and unfortunately you know the algorithm is is racist in a way because it mm. doesn't it does suppress some things and it does highlight other things and it is kind of driven by you know money and data and all of that stuff but I think it's a hard one um, again with like racism online I think that is a huge problem that the Welsh government are going to face because 
it is so hard to govern the internet. Like it's、mm. near impossible. So I I don't know how any of that's going to change. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how you know it's Silicon Valley that are making decisions. You know, so far away, and we we don't really think about who are, who's in those board boardrooms, and you know what the diversity of those people are. With you know, generally white men,、yeah. isn't it? They're gonna、yeah. miss things, not intentionally all the time, but like it's definitely there.、Um, and even with like black influencers, for example, they don't get. Paid as much as white influencers,、mm. and it's the same on TikTok, I think, as well. You know, the the top, you know, TikTokers are all white. Just because you know you have that platform, it doesn't、mm. mean that you know you have the social currency to to even yeah, be able to、yeah. get your point across or to be listened to.、Mm-hmm. And of course, black people are not a monolith. As on, you know, all other ethnic minority groups as well. They're not all a monolith. They have different perspectives and views. So, you might have a black person that has a platform who is extremely right wing and、mm-hmm. racist and、mm-hmm. like completely the opposite of what you would、yeah. maybe consider as somebody that represents you in in with the amount of social currency that they may have. So, it is.、Um, yeah, I never really. I am skeptical, I guess, too. But I'd rather have a platform than not have one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the important takeaway. So, can you both、um, tell me about some young black voices in Wales that you follow on social media and kind of what they mean to you? I really enjoy content by the queer activist and poet、um, Talk to Coco. She is、um, a mental health activist, and she uses、um, content to kind of spotlight different.、Um, Signposted different charities, and she she's very、um, vulnerable online, and I think that's what draws a lot of people to her.、Um, I'm lucky enough to work with her through SSAP, and I th- I just think like her work is like so amazing.、Um, she gives a lot of inspirational kind of content, which sometimes you know you might think of like quote. Posts or, or、um, tiles on Instagram to be a bit cheesy, but I'm like sometimes I just need that. <laughs> I need someone to be like, you know, you've got this today, kind of thing. So that would be、um, my first thought when it comes to content creators, Welsh creators online. Do you know, I have、um, I couldn't pick one, so I've got two. I've got、um, a singer songwriter who I think is incredible and doesn't get you know his flowers. And then I've also got、uh, an up-and-coming、um, videographer, so he's a bit of a creative. So the singer-songwriter, his name is Blankface. Amazing、uh, singer-songwriter. I think his music is really sort of nice and, and easy to listen to. And then there's also a photographer, videographer who goes by the name of Pierre. Very young, very up-and-coming. He has his own company called Stilo Vision, which sort of records videos and films and. And different creative sort of he captures everything really.、Um, somebody that I think we all need to look out for and the work that he has done,、um, especially with the, the the BLM marches that happened, with the、uh, reggae festival that happened in Newport as well, reframing Picton. He's done so much work and a lot of it is underappreciated, but it's it's work that you definitely would have seen and come across.、Um, so I think those two people are you know people that I'd love to have. I'd love to shine a light on the things that they do, the work that they do.、Um, so, Billy, when we were preparing for this、uh, podcast, we were also talking about、um, the survey that you did with、uh, your youth members, and I wondered if you could just talk me through what you found out, really. Yeah. So we 
uh, recently sent out a survey at SSAP, um, just understanding really what issues uh, most affected um, our members. And I think a recurring theme was, uh, of course, the cost of living, as well as having a platform and receiving support for voices, you know, receiving support for their voices and, and thoughts. So it's definitely something that at SSAP we're looking to do more of, offering maybe it's financial tips and advice on on the current cost of living crisis, um, making young people aware of what support and funding for projects are available for their creative fields, as well as just being there really for people that may be finding it quite tough. So just ensuring that mental health is 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 a priority and ensuring that you know those that are struggling, those that just want perhaps somebody to talk to about what they're you know, struggling with is something that we're going to be looking more at. But the survey results definitely highlighted a need for us to look at, you know, providing and equipping young people with more financial management, uh, as well as uh, general support. Do you have any advice around that? Yeah, like you said, be more mindful of what you buy. Um, And I think you'll find a lot of happiness in buying things that you really love. And even, like I said, you know, invest in in your friends' businesses, invest in black-owned businesses. And it will feel so much better than spending money at, like, Boohoo or, like, Pretty Little Thing. Um, And I think it also helps you kind of identify your own style um, Mm. outside of kind of the mainstream kind of trends that we see, like, you know, there's a new season of or new collection near near enough every day online of some some fast fashion brand, for example, um, by secondhand. Secondhand is really good. And I think... It's it's around you know changing that stigma of like you you don't have to have everything new brand new you can buy refurbished you know Nintendos and all sorts of stuff I've been looking well I think I've learned a lot during this episode thank you both very much for your contribution and um, if anyone's got any questions regarding um, funding if you're a young black creative it's uh, get in touch with SSAP I imagine yes yeah. yep. Come to us. <laughs> Come to us. We've got the money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.